Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So, I recently cleaned out a storage space that I had had for a number of years. And I had had my stuff in storage for so long that I actually didn't remember half of what was in there. And when I got to a place where the boxes were home and I was actually going through each box, I was finding that the majority of the stuff that was in there was psychology books, textbooks, and notes from every class I had ever taken from my freshman year in college, through my master's program, through my doctorate. So there was a lot of papers and notebooks and things and binders and folders. And what was so ridiculous about it is that everywhere that I have lived since leaving college, these boxes have traveled with me. And the reason that storage got cleaned out is because the price had gone up tremendously and it was just one of those things that didn't make any sense. It made even less sense when I actually saw how much was being paid for me to hold on to things that totally do not matter to me at all in this point of my life. But the whole concept behind storage space is that it exists because people hold on to things that they don't actually care enough about to keep in their homes, but they feel they need to hold on to it because they haven't given themselves permission to let go. And so basically people who operate these storage facilities are operating because we have this inability to let go of things emotionally, even though it doesn't make any logical sense to pay lots of money monthly to hold on to things that we don't really actually care about. And so what I thought was interesting about all this in the world of psychology is this is exactly the battle between emotions and logic. And often emotion does win. And in this case, emotion won for at least 10 years, but actually probably much longer than that until the logic kicked in and said, hey, this is too much money. So this is very symbolic for so many different areas of our lives that we are often in a battle between the emotional part of our brain and the logical part of our brain. Now with most people, they usually default into one or the other. Everybody is either a little more emotional or a little more logical in nature. And a lot of times this creates conflicts between people because of that. A person who is more emotional is gonna have a problem with somebody who's more logical and vice versa. Now, 
everybody does have a default. You can actually see defaults played out in diagnoses. For example, a person who is diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, that's a person who, although the diagnosis is made up of a number of different symptoms, the flavor of that diagnosis is someone who is ruled by their emotions, that they have volatility in their relationships, and that they often act and regret things later, and that kind of thing. So there's actually an excellent movie called Fatal Attraction, if you haven't seen it, with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close and Ann Archer. It came out in 1987. I don't think, I haven't seen the movie in a while. I don't think that anybody actually diagnoses Glenn Close's character with borderline personality disorder in the actual film. Maybe they do, I don't remember. But it's sort of like, if a person had borderline personality disorder and it got taken to the absolute extreme, that's what that movie is about. Somebody who is completely ruled by their emotions and their emotions get out of control. Now, on the other side of that, if we were to look at a diagnosis that embodies the logical side of the brain, we might see something like Asperger's or autism, where logic rules. You don't see people with these diagnoses getting upset so much as when they're frustrated when things don't go their way. But in terms of being very, very angry at another person, or you would see it less so in a diagnosis like that because it's mainly ruled by logic. So in other words, when we're talking about kids who are diagnosed with autism, one of the things that stands out about that is that children with autism don't tend to do pretend play. You know, they're not picking up dolls and having conversations between the dolls and the dolls getting in fights with one another or loving one another. They are taking matchbox cars and lining them up. And that is their idea of play. Everything is very linear, but everything is very logical, and that's what makes them happy. And as I said, everybody sort of has a default position. We all try to be balanced between our logic and our emotions, but we all have sort of the comfortable one that we always fall back on. Now, I see this a lot when people come into therapy and they say, why can't I just get over whatever? And they tell me they're mad at themselves for being emotional about something. Maybe they're emotional about a relationship, but they wish that they could just logic their way out of it and they get angry with themselves for still being hung up on something. And so a person like that might live more on the logical side. They might wish that they could think their way out of things and think their way into getting over something instead of processing it through emotionally. So 
In the world of psychology, we all have this burden that sort of hangs over us uh, like a monkey on our back that is the dissertation. That when you are in school, the dissertation is the study that you must conduct and the book you must write in order to graduate from a doctoral program. And it is burdensome and we all don't look forward to the day when that thing has to be written. And it's a burden that just sort of hangs over you until the day you finish writing it. Now, what was interesting for me going through the dissertation process is the places where people get blocked in the dissertation process. I mean, there's certainly people who avoid it and never quite finish, but when you're in the middle of it, you will have no problem doing some parts and then some parts you just can't get past. Luckily, because I was doing a dissertation in the world of psychology, I had a committee of people who were all psychologists, which makes it very convenient when you're trying to understand your own psychology behind your dissertation blocks. And one of the things that happened to me was I got to a place where I was analyzing the data that I had come up with from the study I did and reanalyzing it and analyzing it again and reanalyzing it again and analyzing it one more time. And what was happening was I was coming up with the same information over and over again, and yet I wasn't moving on to drawing conclusions about said information. I just kept looking at the same information over and over again and getting the same results. And finally, I had a conversation with my dissertation chair, who at the time just looked at me and said, all right, all right, all right, let's just stop talking about what you're doing in your dissertation. Let's talk about what it's going to mean to you when you stick that doctor in front of your name, when you actually finish. And that led to a whole conversation about what it all meant emotionally. But the interesting thing about that was that once I had that conversation, I stopped being blocked. I just finished after that. Once I understood that the block was emotional in nature and what it consisted of, then I was able to move forward. And I think that is something that is often missing for people is that the emotional side is often poo-pooed, particularly for people who default to the logical side and it gets forgotten. And so people try to solve emotional problems with their logic. So a lot of times people will come in to therapy and they will say things like, I'm pretty good at controlling my emotions. And I'll say, really, how do you do that? And people have the idea in their heads that somehow they can do something to stop their emotions from happening. 
But usually what it is, is they've just found a way to distract themselves from their emotions. They have found a way to get busy or do something else or focus on something else. And then their emotions sort of take a back burner for a period of time. But it doesn't stop the emotions. It doesn't take them away. It's just a distraction for a period of time. And so it's an interesting myth that sort of gets carried out in our society that this is something people can do. They can control their emotions. Now, people often will come into therapy. In a person's first visit, I will ask the question, what are you here to accomplish? And some people will tell me, I am here to learn how to control my emotions. And, or the opposite of that would be somebody who decides not to go to therapy because they've decided they don't want to indulge in their emotions, but they want to control them. And therefore, if they don't go to therapy, they won't be indulging their emotions and they are controlling them. Now, people who are governed by their emotions mostly, like the woman in the movie, Fatal Attraction, it's not that we have to stop the emotions. We have to help people who are controlled by emotions to control their behavior, which is achievable, and to understand and manage the emotions, knowing that they have to be aware of how their emotions are affecting their behavior and understanding how to take care of their emotions in a different way than acting out. And so this is what the work really is. The work is not about stopping the emotions from happening. The work is about understanding where the emotions are coming from. A lot of times it's from trauma and a lot of times it has to do with when the emotions are out of control meaning that a person's life is being ruined because they act on their emotions too much, then we really have to understand what is triggering them so that the emotions become so intense and what they are not taking care of because their emotions are so intense. And a lot of times it does lead back to trauma and then we end up doing trauma work. But for the most part, you can't stop the emotions from happening. You just have to control the behavior and understand where the emotions are coming from and manage them. A lot of times what will happen too, from a logical standpoint, is that I will have parents who come to me and want me to fix either their teenager or their adult child who should be doing something better in life than what they're doing, whatever it is. And I will sometimes get the sense that they think that what's going to happen when the person comes into therapy is I'm going to be yet another adult who lectures their child about what they should be doing. 
and what they shouldn't be doing. And what happens is these parents will call to check in and kind of see how things are going since they are paying for therapy. And I have to be really careful about what I actually say. But I always get the impression that somehow they want me to make a list of the consequences of their child uh, misbehaving or not doing what they're supposed to be and that I'm supposed to really reinforce those consequences. And the reality is that usually the behaviors are influenced by an emotion that has to be dealt with or a trauma that has to be dealt with. And it's that that needs to be fixed. And we end up in the world of the emotional. We do not end up in the world of the logical, except for modifying the behavior like, hey, perhaps when you're feeling upset with your dad, you don't scream at him or, or pretend you're going to hit him. That's probably a bad idea. Let's try something else to do. But for the most part, what we really want to understand is why a person is so upset and what has led them there. And once that is understood, everything can get better. So I have a friend that says, you shouldn't be doing a podcast. You really should be doing a YouTube video so that, you know, people can really see you and understand where you're coming from and you're so personable and all this stuff. Now, if I'm not showing my face, if you can't see me and make judgments about who I am, then you might be able to hear my message a little bit better because you're not having an emotional reaction to what I look like or what I'm wearing. When I was very young and first starting out as a therapist, I had a client that would come in and she would say to me, I don't know why you dress like that. And the answer is I'm actually trying to be a therapist, so I'm trying to dress like a professional. But she would say, I don't know why you dress like that. And she especially had an issue with a pair of Oxford shoes I had. And she would say, your shoes are just not sexy enough. Why don't you try to dress a little more sexy? <laughs> and that was pretty much the last thing on my mind and the last kind of attention I wanted to attract. But for her, it just didn't make any sense at all that this was sort of how she had gotten through life and didn't understand why I didn't get through my life in the same way. So understanding the emotion and the logic, there is a place for understanding emotions. There is a place for understanding the logic behind things. If you are a person who defaults into the emotional or the logical side, then you probably need to push yourself to go to the middle a little bit more. If you're an emotional person, you probably need to move in a more logical direction more often. And if you're a logical person, you might need to indulge the emotions a little bit more often because the goal is to get to the middle. The middle ground is where our emotional side and our logical side are both in sync. And I may have mentioned this before that all the major life decisions that you will ever make 
need to come from both perspectives. You cannot choose your spouse based simply on emotion or logic. You cannot choose a life partner simply based on just emotion or just logic. You cannot choose a career simply based on just emotion or just logic. You need both of these things to be balanced in order to make the right decisions in life. And so I would encourage you to recognize when the emotion has taken over and when the logic has taken over. In those times where you feel like both your emotions and your logic are on the same page and they are balanced. That's where your instinct is. But I would encourage you to always be looking for the balance between these two sides of you, knowing that when there is balance between the emotions and the logic, then you will be making all the right decisions in your life. Be well, and thank you for listening.